Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. And hello, my entrepreneurial friends. Welcome back to Profit First Nation, where we have Mike Michalowicz in the house. This is episode 138, episodes ending in eight. Feature Mike when we dive into his mail inbox. All right, Mike, let's dive into the first question in your inbox. Hey, Mike. My business skills suck, so I'm doing profit first. (laughs) I'm a naturopath, been in business for about 15 years, and I have absolutely nothing to show for it. And I have a question. I have no retirement saved up and obviously doing a crap job of putting money away. Should I add a retirement account to my hidden accounts? Thanks for making your book truly fun to listen, not dry and boring at all, Melissa. So... Melissa, your business skills can't suck because you've been in business for 15 years. You know, the, the average business, when I say over, when I say average, over 50% of businesses don't make it five years and they collapse. So you absolutely do have something to show for it. You have a business that's been in, in around for 15 years. That shows that you can attract prospects, convert them to customers, have them pay bills. And you figured out financial acuity enough that you can sustain because you're still around. So I want you to acknowledge that because Saying our business skills sucks is a simple way to say, I have an excuse now not to do profit first. So no excuses, Melissa, you're good. And I want you to keep demonstrating that. In regards to your question specifically, you said you have no retirement saved up. uh, Should you add a retirement account? Yes and no. The the answer is not within your business. We want to set up the foundational accounts. So we're going to have the foundational five accounts. We're going to have hidden accounts for your profit retention and for your tax liabilities. When it comes to profit distribution time, a portion of those profit distributions, or all of it, if you choose, can go to your retirement account. Now, the thing is, you may want to talk to your accountant or bookkeeper about this, but you probably want to consider something like a SEP IRA or some program similar to that, depending on your business type and where you're located. So speak with a profit-first professional regarding this. Maybe a 401k is appropriate, but some kind of retirement mechanism. What's nice about those mechanisms are they have an enforced security in that you can't withdraw the money unless you have one of the reasonable emergencies where you can draw it. But if you do, you get penalized. So you're more likely to leave it in there. Sure enough, you can find other ways to lock it down and hide it, maybe giving the password to your best friend so you can't even log into it. So in the profit first system, we don't set a retirement account, but in your personal life, we do, or your business can have one. You can take it from the profit when you do profit distributions, but also it should be part of your owner's compensation. So we have a regular drip. So let's say you're taking $30,000 a year on an annual basis from it. Every time a distribution comes out, maybe 10% of that goes into your retirement first. So over the year, 3,000 is automatically going in there. What will happen is in our personal life, we'll make an adjustment like our business due to Parkinson's law. You're making slightly less income and you will feel a pinch on that for the first few weeks or month or so. But the natural response is we adjust accordingly. We find ways to achieve a similar lifestyle happiness at a lower price point. And now the money's piling up. So we want that constant drip comes out of owner's comp into your retirement mechanism and then booster drips from your profit account. That's how you do it. 
you know, and I, I would challenge Melissa too. It's probably time to, to raise your rates as well. Uh, because it sounds like, you know, more money dedicated in, in that raising of your prices could, uh, you know, give you that extra lift, that extra cushion that you need to start that habit of putting away that money into some sort of retirement account. Uh, and you know, Melissa, please connect with Dan Dogs of every single bean, every single bean.com. Dan is a mastery level certified profit first professional and uh, actually specializes in working with uh, naturopathic doctors as just like you. So check out Dan Dogs at every single bean.com. All right. The next question. Hello. I recently finished reading Profit First and I'm in the process of implementing it. I'm a doctor who fixes chronic nerve, muscle, and joint pain conservatively without pills, injections, or surgery. My recurring revenue average is $15,000 per month. I was going over my expenses and I knew that one thing that would bog me down would be my rent. I have a nice office too big for what I need. However, in several months, I'm planning on my friend joining me in my practice so we can train together and offer a better experience for patients. I know this expansion would be recommended since my expenses are too high to bring on another employee, but we currently travel to each other's offices 90 minutes apart, one day a week to practice treating nerves and such. Having him close would accelerate our skill set and make us better doctors, not to mention make rent overhead more palatable. Do I create a unique exception to profit first or do I need to hear some harsh truths? Tia Scott G. Hey, Scott. Uh, harsh truths. There is no exceptions to profit first because if we make exceptions, we don't get the harsh truth that it says to us. So when you run profit first, the business speaks to you and it reveals the weaknesses. If we make exceptions, it cloaks the it cloaks the truth. So, for example, I had a, a member, not a member, a client of one of our members, uh, say, "You know what? I, I, I'm in the growth mode." I want to reduce profit to put more money into operating expenses so we can grow faster. And uh, is that a good idea? And the answer is hell no, because we're putting more into expenses. We don't know how profitable this business could be. So we forced them to keep the profit where it was. And guess what? They grew to their expectations just as quickly because they were now forced to think of alternatives. They thought of innovative ideas. They said, well, I don't have the money to get, for example, the big office. So maybe uh, I share this office with other people. There was one of my favorite stories, uh, a business that said, but we're, we're cooking. Um, it was maybe making soups or something like that and said, we need a bigger facility, but prop first is telling us we can't. So we said, well, how do you figure it out when you can't buy the, or rent the bigger facility? They struck a deal with a bakery that was open from 3am till I think it was 3pm. Then they would come in and make their soups from 4pm till midnight. And then they'll go back to the bakery and the bakery gave it for a song and dance. Cause it was unoccupied space for them at the time. And they were able to produce at very, very low cost. So the challenge to you, Scott, is money isn't the solution. Thinking is a solution. Outside the box thinking, innovation. And I'll tell you, it's way harder. It's so easy to say, I have an excuse. I have an exception. Let's plow back money. It's much harder to think of innovative solutions. But the businesses that win do. So I challenge you, Scott, think of better solutions. And maybe your friend can help pay the rent a little bit too. All right. Next question. Dear Mike, 
Hi, I'm reading your book, Profit First, and at the same time, I'm preparing the instant assessment to start fixing my company's financials immediately. I didn't understand though, what's the owner's pay? Is it the CEO salary? And why is the allocation 50%? Regards, Stavros S. Stavros S. Pleasure to meet you, Stavros. And uh, this is a common question, so let's go into it in detail. The owner's pay, I actually call it owner's compensation. And to be clear about this, this is the compensation package to the benefit of the owner, which can be a salary. Sometimes it comes in a paycheck, sometimes in distribution, but it's their salary to afford them a lifestyle. But it also could be packaged in other ways. Maybe it's a vehicle or some other uh, personal expenses that legitimately and legally can go through the business. Talk with the first professional, make sure you do it right. Now, what we want to get you to is a normalized salary for replacing you. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean CEO, but what we do, Stavros, is we look at the work you do in the business and say, if we had to find that replacement, maybe you do some of the product development or you deliver the service. Maybe you do some of the management. If we had to hire someone, what is a reasonable salary you have to pay them to replace you? And for many people, by the way, it's a pretty big salary. It could be six figures or mid six figures for some cases. For smaller businesses, maybe it's a $50,000 salary or more. But figure out a reasonable salary for your replacement. That's the salary that you should be paid because you are operating. You're called an owner operator, operating in the business. Now, the reason it's 50% is I'm making an assumption that means you likely have a small business. As we went through the assessment, we analyzed a thousand companies of what we call the fiscally elite. We looked at all different industries and identify what the top performers were doing. Micro businesses, businesses that were doing 250,000 in revenue or less, we found that the owner of the business was usually the only employee of the business. And therefore, a large percentage of the proceeds went to their owner's compensation package. So in a, let's say, $200,000 business, round numbers, about $100,000, 50%, was being allocated to the benefit of the owner. But as the business revenue got bigger, they had to hire people. They brought in staff. So a business, say, doing a million dollars isn't allocating 50% to the owner. Now maybe it's only 20% which is maybe 200,000 or maybe it's 15%. As a business gets bigger, usually the percentage for compensation is smaller, but the overall compensation and the dollar base is bigger. That's how that works. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw an extra sort of bonus question here that I often get a lot too. So might as well answer it on air and let everyone here yeah. in the audience. But, uh, so if, if there's a business with three shareholders, so three owners, but only two of them work in the business and one doesn't work in the business, do all three draw owner's pay? No, no. Great question. So there is what's called equity ownership and there's owner operator. And we don't want to confuse or conflate the terms. So let's start with equity ownership. So say Danielle, you and I and Stavros, the three of us own the business together and uh, you're the majority owner, Danielle, you have 50%. Uh, Stavros has, we'll say 30%. And then I have the remaining 20%. If we got a uh, hundred dollars in the profit account and decided to distribute the full hundred dollars, you would get $50. He would get $30 and I would get $20 because that's what's called an equity distribution. That's how the profit account works. We typically, unless you agree contractually with the other partners in the business to distribute otherwise, we typically distribute profits on an equity percentage basis. 
which is different than owner's compensation. Owner's compensation is the compensation that represents the contribution of the owner is making as an operator or an employee within the business. These are typically negotiated salaries. So you, Danielle, may own 50% of the business, but you say, I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'm not going to work in the business whatsoever. And you may agree, and we may agree collectively, you won't take a salary as a result. Stavos may be taking a, a large work responsibility and receive maybe 80% of the compensation. We determine a salary for him, and I may be working part-time and take a reduced salary, and then it's divided up accordingly. But just remember this, just because someone owns a business does not mean that they get owner's compensation. But if you do own a business, you always share in the profitability and the equity of a business. All right. Another question. Hey, Mike, I've implemented Profit First, and I think I have a great hack for you to share with your audience. You can skip the profit and tax accounts at your primary bank. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I love how you that, that's a profit first professional snicker that's the absolute truth uh, you revealed it in your okay. laugh so let's keep going on allocation day I just transfer from income to profit hold and tax hold at my inconvenient bank the profit and tax accounts at the primary bank is just a wasted step and time to me the way I'm doing it totally works peace Charlie Peace, Charlie. So, Charlie, I'm going to give you a little feedback on why I suggest you don't do that. But first, I want to acknowledge, yes, that is a shortcut. But sometimes shortcuts shortcuts get us to the end result without addressing the necessary behavioral alignment we need. Remember this. Profit First is a behavioral-based system that results in profitability. Why do we have this interim step? Because I agree, logically, it's not necessary. But the reason we do it is for the dopamine and serotonin release that happens when we do allocations. So let me walk you through this. Money flows in the income account at your bank. Initially, and hopefully for a long period of time, the owner does the allocations themselves. That's how you build the profit muscle. By invoking the transfer, not only do you do the process, you see the money immediately accumulate because it's at your current bank. So you get a dopamine and serotonin release, which actually then encourages you on a biological basis to keep doing the process. So you're more than figuratively, you're literally building the profit momentum and profit muscle in your mind. The other thing is allocations sometimes are not instantaneous, but uh, allocations within a current bank are instantaneous. So you may invoke a request from your holding bank to pull the money and it takes three or four days. That will cause confusion. Most entrepreneurs, and maybe Charlie, you're different, but most entrepreneurs check their bank accounts with a high frequency. It is not too uncommon for an entrepreneur to say, I logged into my bank account three or four times today to see how things are going but definitely multiple times a week. If the money isn't immediately allocated to the second bank, there may be temporary confusion. Oh, there's more money in the income account than expected. And we start doing these calculations in our head that are wrong. So the instant allocation is the power that we see is intended use. We get dopamine and serotonin release and also triggers our ability to resist temporarily the temptation of stealing from ourselves. You move money into the profit account. It's unlikely you'll say, oh, let me just remove that again to my OPEX. Now, once money's moved to your profit account at your current bank, you invoke that transfer over. You probably have the stamina to, to keep the money in there for three or four days if it sits there, and then it'll be pulled out automatically. If the money always stayed at your current bank and sits there for months at a time, you may say, well, I can just borrow for a little bit. So that media allocation builds the muscle, and then the transfer, if it's delayed, it ain't a problem. That's why we have that interim step. Um, I'm going to throw a couple of, uh, of, of, of sort of quick wild cards at you. Um, these aren't necessarily sure. formal questions, but, but things that I get often. And, uh, one is, 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 <clears throat> 
I get I get emails from people who have, you know, put their information at Profit First Professionals to connect with a certified Profit First Professional accountant, bookkeeper, or coach, and then get disappointed when they get matched up with uh, someone who lives in uh, Nevada and they live in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. So they they're just like, no, I want someone in New Hampshire. Yeah. Can you explain sort of the logic and reason um, of, of of how and why the the system is designed the way it is to match uh, prospective uh, people with a profit first professional? So we did some research. Initially, we considered locale as significant, and we did some research and identified that even if a profit first professional was in the same town or city as a client they were serving, they still were not meeting face to face. The, all the transactions were virtual over the the virtual chats and Zooms and email and so forth. Uh, and with uh, many accounting systems like QuickBooks and Zero Online, uh, that wasn't necessitating a face-to-face meeting. So what's funny is that that wasn't valued. Um, what we found was valued was the understanding and intimacy that the Prop First Professional had with that industry that the client was in. So that's what we prioritize. If you are a retail store, don't you want a bookkeeper or accountant who understands how inventory works, how uh, returns work, if you're returning up to the manufacturer or distributor, um, as opposed to someone that happens to be in your town that you're not going to meet with face-to-face anyway. And over time, we found this to be the most successful model. That If you match someone that naturally understands your industry, or at least has some natural insights into it, they're going to be of the best service to you as opposed to someone local to you. Uh, we also found, interestingly, when there's a spread gap, sometimes there's these three-hour windows, someone's on the West Coast, uh, the client's on the West Coast, and the vendor's on the East Coast, that there's some advantages there um, in in the timing difference. We've had some uh, accounts of bookkeepers give up-to-date numbers in the morning on the East Coast, and as the company is walking in on the West Coast three hours later, they have the, this dashboard of all the information they need instantly in front of them. So sometimes the distance actually can work even further in your favor. And you know it's really about just trusting the process and 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 wanting to make it work. We're not going to set you up to fail. We are going no. to do the best that we can to set you up to succeed. And so based off of as Mike said, the hundreds of profit first professionals and the uh hundreds of thousands of people who've implemented profit first, this is the ideal sort of win-win situation. Uh and also too, you know, let's, let's talk about what you should expect to pay. Uh, you know, maybe you're getting dirt cheap, uh, bookkeeping services right now, but how is that, how is that serving you? Um, right. are you wildly profitable? Uh, it sounds like you might be struggling. And so, you know, when you think about it, uh, if you want a higher level of service, if you're wanting to up level your, your game when it comes to your business and increasing your profitability, you're really making an investment in, in, in getting these numbers and getting this clarity. You want to speak some more on that? Yeah, it's going to be very parallel to what you said. Um, but I have heard people say, Oh, I I thought this person would be cheap. And uh, to me, that's a red flag. Uh, there is a truth and you, you get what you pay for. But what I invite people to do is if you're working with a current account or bookkeeper and not happy, um, judge the return you're getting and ask them, what can you do to make my business more profitable? And if they have a solution and can implement it, well, then you can get value at that quote unquote cheap price. But profit professionals are not only accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches. 
they have achieved a high level certification in the psychology around driving profitability. So these are advisors and these are people that are going to work with you for the years ahead to ensure that you're, you're adjusting and modifying the system to work organically and naturally with you. Profit first is not a set it and forget it system. It is a establish it, grow with it, learn from it, adjust your business and keep modifying to amplify that profitability. It is a very iterative system. And you need someone, I think, that's going to hold you accountable to it and understands those nuances. At the end of the day, uh, if you engage a profit-first professional and you deploy profit-first under their guidance, ask yourself a year later, where do I stand now in profitability? And in most cases, you know, there, there's always an anomaly, but in most cases, businesses achieve the most radical growth they've ever experienced in profitability in their lives. And uh, to me, that return more than pays for someone uh, that's that's charging a premium over a cheap provider. And the last thing is, don't you want your accountant or bookkeeper to also be profitable? Think about this. Could you imagine your current bookkeeper comes to you and says, I, I don't have time to work on your books. I, I'm so desperate for money. Um, I, I need to get more clients. I need to do stuff to sustain. If they are in that mentality, they can't give you their undivided attention. So I'm also very leery of a business that is too cheap because I don't know how they're surviving. And that means they're compromising their service back to me. Well, thank you for joining us. Before you leave, Mike, do you have any bit of Mike motivation for the audience? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's a little celebration, but it's gonna be a little bit awkward because I don't remember the exact details. We are now at 28 languages that Profit First has been translated to. And a common question, of course, is, well, what's the most recent language? And I don't know, even though it just came through three days ago. Um, it's been such a rush. I just got back from a speech to 1,700 people on Profit First. And as I was boarding the flight, uh, I got a congratulatory note that we got our 20th language. But what it means to me is that Profit First is a system that's ubiquitous. It doesn't matter what currency you work with, what language you speak. Profit First is a behavioral-based system that works in any environment. So I'm just thrilled. And the, and the reason it's circulating so well is because the Profit First professional community. You know, a book goes so far. It, to me, it's like a recipe. But it's awfully nice to have a professional chef sitting there with you, showing you how to cut the food and prepare it. And that's what PFPs are doing across the world. So I'm just eternally grateful. And uh, 20 languages, it kind of speaks for itself. The word's getting out. Awesome. So if you would like to connect with a Profit First professional, then visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on connect and make sure that you are opted into our, our resources and updates for special events and special webinars that we are doing. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Thanks for tuning in to the Profit First Nation podcast. We hope you found today's episode valuable and that it's inspired you to take action towards achieving permanent profitability in your business. If you want to learn more about how to implement Profit First in your business and connect with a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, be sure to visit us at ProfitFirstNation.com to download our how-to guides and resources. Remember, permanent profitability is within your reach and we're here to support you every step of the way. So let's do Profit First right together. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts and videos are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.